Um, we started in the Gospel of John at the beginning of this year, and, and those of you who have been following along and have been here week after week, you know that we are now in the eighth chapter of this Gospel. John begins with some very lofty language, backing up just a little bit. John 1, 1 talks about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's telling us who Jesus is, the living Word, the incarnate, the Word becoming flesh to live and dwell amongst men. In fact, we picked up, if you see the back of our uh, entryway, or in the entryway, you'll see that uh, idea of with, that we as a congregation would be with God, that would be with others, and that we would be out on a mission, with a mission. So that has been our theme for this year. And throughout this gospel, John begins trying to say who Jesus is, and then he really turns the stage over to Jesus to say who he is. And Jesus has told the people who he was through miracles, through his own words, and through the interchanges he has with the religious leaders of the day. Last week, Pierce did a great job, and Pierce is on vacation uh, this week, uh, well-earned. I think, I don't know, Dan, did he go to El Paso? He went somewhere for Thanksgiving. I know he's got family in El Paso, got family in Houston, so... Uh, in any event, we pray that they have a great time and, and we miss them while they're away. Um, but he did a great job talking about Jesus saying, I am um, the light, the light of the world. And you know, in John, there are seven different I am statements. I am the bread of life. Uh, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, and, and we'll get through all those as we go. Right now, I think we've only been into two in these first eight chapters. Um, we'll talk today a little bit about another one that's really not often uh, counted but I have first to begin a, a picture for you, and I don't know if anybody came in from the children's section yet or not. I told them to come around 1120 if they did, because I'm always afraid of using old illustrations. Obviously, I got gray hair. Obviously, I'm not a kid. Uh, and sometimes the things that I think everybody should know, in fact, I told Brenda uh, something about this character, and she's young. But I told her about this character, and I said, even if you know the newer one, and she said, well, that's not so new when you said it's even new. So let me just show you this picture and see if you guys... Can anybody tell whose profile that is? You're all owed. <laughs> now, any young person that, that does not recognize that, you don't have a clue. Have you ever heard of Popeye? Anybody? They were going to tell me how many in the children's side have ever heard of Popeye. We were guessing maybe 25%. Popeye's probably not the cartoon that most of you watch these days. But if you have ever been to Chester, Illinois, it's about 55 miles from my hometown. Um, there is a, a cig cigar, or a cigar, it's S-E-A-G-E-R, a park named after the man who created uh, Popeye. He drew up Popeye in the comic strip. And there is this cartoon sailor's statue overlooking the Mississippi River, you know, with this bridge connecting Chester over to the Missouri side. And it's in Seeger Park, or Cigar Park. And what I think is so ironic, in fact, it's crazy, and you'll hear me use the word crazy so much that you should have titled the message crazy. Uh, it's crazy that in the same park is the monument to Lewis and Clark. <laughs> Lewis and Clark, who took two years to explore the Louisiana Purchase, and they rallied near there in southern Illinois to get manpower and materials to take off in the fall, I think, of 1700 two or three, and like for two years they were out and about in the western side of our country. And more people go see 
Popeye than they see Lewis and Clark. In fact, more people may know who Popeye uh, is or was or can be than Lewis and Clark. And I think that's crazy that fantasy would trump real world, the, the future of a nation. But yet, fantasy trumps reality many times, I think, in modern day uh, America. Crazy. Crazy that Jesus would constantly have to explain to his accusers who he was. Crazy that after turning water into wine, those of you who remember the first uh, miracle that he performed, I had a 55 or 56 gallon uh, barrel, wine barrel, I mean a wine barrel in a Baptist church. That is shocking. It was empty. And I did not empty it, but it was, it was a representation that Jesus, the water that he turned into wine, it was some 160 gallons of wine. So like three of those containers of wine that he had uh, done that miracle for. He, he, he went on, and it's crazy that they w could, could see that and, and, and consume that and not understand who he was. He clears the temple and lives to talk about it. I mean, think about that. If somebody came into our worship and tried to do crazy things and keep going and proclaim it, you would say, well, that guy should have been muted. That guy should have been handicapped. He should have been hogtied. He should have been put in prison. But it didn't happen. He continues to go and shares water with a woman at a well that had quite a checkered past, or at least I said she really didn't earn that. It's just that that's the way many preachers have preached her that way. But that woman's name in church tradition means to enlighten. And she would go back and, and share this water that Jesus offered to her, and Samaritans would come to know who Jesus was. Crazy that the Jews could see that and still not understand who he was. He restored health to a man who had been immobile or paralyzed for 38 years by the pool of Bethesda. And that's an interruption when he healed a man, a, a Roman a, or some sort of royal official. I, I gave him the name Basil because his name is, comes from a Greek basilica, which is a royal entryway of a, of a building. And, and he healed that man's son. He fed 5,000 people with, as Katie said at the Thanksgiving service, any of you who went to that, she called the, that a Lunchable. <laughs> that Jesus fed 5,000 people with a little boy's Lunchable, and that's really what he did. Crazy! But yet, they still ask the question in verse 25 of the text we'll look at today from the 8th chapter of John, who are you? Who are you? I know Patsy Cline, you know, now I'm really saying, no, I didn't know her personally. I'm going to get straight. I'm not that old. But uh, she had a hit called Crazy. And I wonder if Jesus would be singing some of the same lyrics. I'm crazy for trying, crazy for crying, crazy for loving you. But I thank God for your crazy love. So let's read Jesus' explanation of who he is to these who would accuse him. John, the eighth chapter, will begin with verse 21 and go through verse 30. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away and you will look for me and you will die in your sin. 
Where I go, you cannot come. That is really connecting back with verse 33 of chapter 7. He said, I'm with you only for a short time. Then I will go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. So he's repeating himself. He's staying true to his message that God sent him. He's going to go back to the Father. And you need to pay attention with what I'm bringing to you as his children. Verse 22, this made the Jews ask, and I think they're saying it with some sort of condescending, almost mocking him, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below and I am from above. I wish there were better ways to explain that because it sounds condescending and I mean, maybe it is, but he's saying you're from the earth, I'm from heaven, if you will. I'm from the Father, you're from the creation. You are of this world, and I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. Those of you who are paying attention on Wednesday night, we have a study of Romans, and what does Paul say in the book of Romans, the third chapter? The wages of sin is what? Death. I told you that you would die in your sins, if you do not believe that I am, and hold your finger right there, King James will say, I am he, and the he is in italics. I use the NIV, and it's an, there are different versions of the NIV. Mine's an older one, and they add this. If you do not believe that I am the one who I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. Then they ask again the question I started with. Who are you, they ask. Just what I have been claiming all along, Jesus replied. I have much to say in judgment of you, but he who sent me is reliable. And what I have heard from him, I tell the world. They did not understand that he was telling them about his father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. You could pause right there again, because the rest of the verse doesn't really go with what he's just said. Mine says, the one I claim to be. And that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Verse 30. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we look at a passage that it has so much in it, and for us, 2,000 years after the fact, it's, it's kind of a given. We know. We believe. We have responded. But yet, Lord, if we know and we believe and we responded, wouldn't we shout when we're called to shout in singing this morning? Wouldn't we go on mission when we're called or able to go tell the news of Jesus? Wouldn't we be more compassionate, more caring, more involved with spreading the good news of Jesus if we truly knew, believed, and had confessed that Jesus is Lord. Speak to us fresh in these verses today. As Jesus answers the question, who are you? Maybe we can look at it and answer it, who are we in light of Jesus? This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My title for this morning, I think, uh, somewhere is, uh, Who Are You? 
and maybe I should have titled it crazy because you'll think I'm crazy with where I'm going to go with this, but I had this idea earlier in the week. I shared it with Dan, and Dan did not leave my office when I shared it, but I think he did go silent. Um, If you are familiar with Popeye, and this is the part that I asked Brenda, even the modern Popeye, Robin Williams played in the movie Popeye. And some of you are young enough that who's Robin Williams? I'm sorry. Uh, But Popeye's been around uh, a while. And if you know Popeye, he has a song that he sings. I am Popeye. Uh huh. And if you learned it in the negative way that I did in grade school, I, I live in a garbage can, we would say other things like that. But he came, he was actually created in the late 1920s. And uh, here is the first, I think, movie cartoon that he's put in. And the very title is his, you know, like theme song. So if that will play, guys, I don't know if it will. <laughs> All right, hold that. Oh, can you go back? Can you hold that phrase for or that? Maybe you can't. I know. That's the problem with that. <laughs> it loops you. You can never get it. If you can maybe fast forward, you don't have to play the whole thing again. But um, who are the three people in the boat? I want to know how much the... Olive oil and the guy in the back? Wimpy. All right, so keep... Who's in front of the boat? Very good. So uh, they may come back to haunt us here. So throwing the Pharisees' question back at you, Popeye, who are you? Well, Popeye says, I am what I am, and that's all that I am. I'm Popeye, the sailor man. He's confident in his own flesh. And I wonder if our world today, many of us sing Popeye all day long. I'm comfortable with who I am, and I know by my flesh I can break the bondage of sin. I don't think so, if you understand this text today. L.Z. Seeger, who introduced Popeye, introduced him into an ongoing comic strip called The Thimble Theater. Little people, Thimble Theater. Olive oil had been around for already 10 years. And he draws Popeye in need of a sailor to take Wimpy, the guy who likes hamburgers, and olive oil to some other island. He was going to be a one, maybe two, maybe three-day scene character. And those of you, I'm looking at David, because I think cowboy when I, I'm sorry, not in a bad way. I think, you know, he likes, you know, we like the Western days. And Popeye's response in the first comic, because I read it this week, they're looking for a sailor, and, and he says, are you a sailor? And Popeye looks at him in his complete naval ensemble and goes, I ain't a cowboy. So there's our, there's our Texas connection. Um, but he becomes so instrumental to the readers Uh, In the 1930s, he comes out like in 27, 29, somewhere in there. And they ask for him to keep coming back. And eventually, Popeye, the cartoon strip, is no longer 
the Thimble Theater, actually I think some, some newspapers would run it that way, but it's Popeye. You know the cartoon strip is Popeye. Wimpy had a bigger role. Olive oil had a bigger role. She had brothers. She had, you know, olive oil. She had castor oil as one of, as one of her brothers, and I forget the other brother's name. But Popeye takes over. And, and when I think of it like that, sin is the same way. Sin will take you places you never wanted to go. Sin will take over your life and dominate and destroy what is good. Jesus begins in verse 21 foretelling his death and his ascension into heaven. There's more to it than just, I be lifted up. And you, and you know some of that from, I think, um, let's go, let me read verse 21. Once more, Jesus said to them, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. <clears throat> he foretells it, I told you, in, in chapter 7, uh, verses 33 and 34. And now the, the Pharisees that are listening to him at this point and involved in this conversation want to know, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Go kill yourself? And Jesus explains that he is not from this world. He has different origins than they do. And in verse 24, he makes it clear that if you don't believe, you will die in your sins. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For unless you believe that I am he, I think this is the New American Standard because the NIV added, I think if you have King James, you see how he is in italics. What are we to believe? Jesus says, believe in me. Believe that I am. Popeye said I am what I am and I don't want to be judged for what I am, Popeye might add. I would say I want forgiveness, I want the redemption, I want the salvation that comes from knowing the great I am. Jesus says I am. Now, I am. And uh, those of you who have heard any Greek and maybe want to forget the Greek, it's Ego I me, uh, that you, that's the I am statement in Greek. And um, Dan and I kick this back and forth. That's what we do during the week. We kick back and forth some things that I might say on Sunday. Um, and Pierce was gone, so Dan and I just went down several rabbit holes. But the, the Greek version of the Old Testament is called the Septuagint. And when that statement, that event that happens in Exodus, when uh, Moses is being told by God that you're going to go and lead the children of Israel out. And he goes, well, I, if I go and do these, lead these people, who, who will I say, you know, who, who's the one I'm going to say has called me to do this? And he says, tell them I am sends you. And I am who I am. Popeye says, I am what I am. God says, I am who I am. It's a familiar statement that will come back in Isaiah uh, from about chapter 44 almost to chapter 50 multiple times. Isaiah 44, 4, Isaiah 43, 10. He talks about the fact that I am. And then many times the commentators will add, I am he, because it's kind of hard for some of us to fathom. That's why the NIV adds this part that I had. I am the one who I claim to be. I am. Like Popeye... I have often sung this hymn or this tune, I am what I am. You know, that's just me. But there's so much more 
I and you can be if we'll put down Popeye's hymn and sing the praises of God. I am a follower of the great I am. Sing a new song. I like Popeye, but don't be like Popeye. And second, as we look at this, I always like Wimpy, but don't be Wimpy. See, Wimpy was another one of these characters that Cigar uh, had a composite figure. I mean, anytime you see a cartoon character, probably the, the creator had some thought process to do it. Uh, this man from Chester actually worked in a uh, theater there in Chester and for a while before he pursued his drawing and, and illustrating career in Chicago he worked in that theater and the man who ran the theater was a very friendly very kind man who uh, loved to tell stories and loved hamburgers so then he gets to Chicago and he meets a man that uh, when you were asked to go out for lunch I've never heard this. You know, if I ask somebody to go out for lunch, I'm going to usually pay their meal. But the way commentators I read about him, uh, he said that if you were asked to go to lunch and you accepted, that meant you would buy. So this particular guy always went, always had hamburgers, and didn't have the money to pay. And he said later on, years later, when the comic strip got popular, he said, is that character based on me? He says, just stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see. So... Wimpy was this guy that was known for, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. If you went back to that boat scene that we started with, what is Wimpy holding? A menu, thank you. And what will Wimpy undoubtedly have? A hamburger. Some of you go to restaurants like that right now. You don't need a menu. If I go to Alamo Cafe, that's where I've been going for 30 years, don't give me a menu, I'm going to have tortilla soup. Regardless what you say is better that day. Wimpy is always going to have a hamburger. And the Pharisees that had listened to Jesus' response of who are you had the menu of scriptures but rejected Jesus' claim. And by rejecting him... We're rejecting the Father. Look at verses 27 and 28. They did not understand that he was telling them about his Father. So Jesus said, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am the one I claim to be, or you might say, I am he, and that I do nothing on my own, but speak just what the Father has taught me. Why is it they could hear and not believe? Like Wimpy, they had become so accustomed to what they wanted that they didn't have room for anything else. Consider, has the church become like Wimpy? Spiritually fat, a little confused, content with eating hamburgers, those things that fail to feed us. And ask yourself, have we too lacked the resources to pay for what our eyes said we must get. I stumbled on a Christianity Today article about William Carey, and I, 
I was talking to Dennis in my office earlier today. I think somewhere I have a William Carey book, but I, I, I've been challenged by reading that article. I have to find some sort of biography on him. Some of you will know him as uh, born in a, Paul, a poor uh, home. I think his dad was a cobbler, um, earned some money that way, taught himself Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. Well, they couldn't teach me that in a formal academic graduate school, and I didn't know it very well. But got so in it, on fire for the Lord, he is our first, he's the grandfather, the godfather, if you will, of missionaries. He went to India and there had several children and I've had some, that's one of the reasons I want to get a book about him that would be with more authentic, uh, that I could tell this story exactly true. I know he lost at least three of his seven children, but that didn't stop him. His wife, after the death of the third child, this is all factual, uh, went, went mad, basically. And uh, he was a Baptist, and this Baptist alliance of, of churches, if you will, at the time uh, that had gone to check on him, uh, basically wanted to pull funding or pull support from him because you know, his wife is in her room crazy, and his children left are unkempt and untrained and without manners because he is so focused on translating the Bible into a language that those in India could understand. And then the printing press and all the manuscripts that he had written and translations caught fire. Years of labor out the window, up in smoke. He would go on to experience floods multiple times, washing out his house, losing all that he had accumulated. He kept rebuilding. He kept pushing forward. He wasn't wimpy. He wasn't shaken. He didn't stop fighting regardless of the opposition to spread the gospel. Yet we wimp out on the simplest of things. Well, she didn't smile at me at church on Sunday. Didn't even scoot over on the pew. I don't like her anymore. We use excuses like temperature. It's too cold in here, too hot in here. Well, bring a jacket or take your shirt off. I don't know. Maybe not, maybe not take your shirt off. We, it's raining outside. Well, if you had to go to work, you'd get out in the rain, wouldn't you? Hmm. We, we make other excuses. I, I mean, I don't like the music. Well, it's not necessarily the tune, it's the words. Well, the words are repetitive. Never hurts to say the same thing. Some people, these Pharisees didn't get it. Jesus had to say it over and over and over and over and over. I don't like the preaching. Well, sometimes I don't either. <laughs> but what's a person saying about God's Word? And we do things to avoid worship, and therefore if we avoid worship, we, we become more like Brutus. And I didn't even use Brutus this week, and you know Brutus? Or Bluto, as he was called earlier in the 40s or 50s, they changed his name to Brutus. We, we, we live like Brutus all week long, but when we talk about church, we're like Sweet Pea. Remember Sweet Pea? That is Popeye's like adopted son. Yeah, some of you are like, Cliff, you're way too down in the weeds. Well, you're being a wimp. Let me just tell you that. <clears throat> because when it comes to missions and sharing the gospel, we will gladly be like Wimpy. We will gladly send someone today if I can pay you next week. We don't want to be the ones to go. We don't even want to be the ones to pay the missionaries. Wimpy, 
William Carey was anything but. He was known for the saying, Except, excuse me, expect great things and attempt great things. Jesus said in verse 28, once again, When I am lifted up, you will know that ego ami, I am. Who are you, Jesus? He says, I am. Who are you today? Maybe you're like Popeye. Maybe you're like Wimpy. You, you want to say, I am what I am, and just take me or love me or not. No. How much more you can be if you accept the great I am? Who are you today? Popeye or Wimpy? I don't know. Maybe you're a consumer without contributing. He eats hamburgers that he never pays for. So accustomed to getting your way that there's no room left for Jesus. Make room. Get your head out of the menu, wimpy, and look to Jesus. Who are you today? Well, be like olive oil. And I gotta admit, I, I really don't like olive oil. Even as a kid, when I watch these things, when I come home, you know, my mom worked at a bank that back in the day they had to check out. I remember I, sometimes if they couldn't, if somebody was off, she didn't get home until really late. Uh, so there was cartoons, and if my sister's five years older than I am, when, when she was home, I mean, we probably did something. I don't know what we did. We didn't ever burn the house down, but uh, I watched a lot of cartoons. It probably explains a whole lot about me. She was reading. She was a valedictorian. I was not. <laughs> I did graduate. Most of you doubt that, but um, I remember Olive Oil had this screechy voice. I mean, she, she's not very attractive. Uh, Popeye could do so much better. I mean, he's got like these biceps, you know, like my thighs, and she's like finger lady. She's like stick woman. And, and, and besides that, she wasn't very faithful. Brutus would show up, and she might befriend Br Brutus, and Popeye would have to go and get in some altercation. Hmm. Well, I, if you go back to that picture, and that's why that picture, you know, things stick in my mind, who is the only one doing anything in the boat? Olive oil. She is doing the work. She is pursuing at least the direction that Popeye, standing on the bow, toting or poke, you know, making his pipe go poop, poop or whatever, you know. She is following the direction, the course that he has set for her. Well, she's not pleasing everybody, but she is pleasing him. And I want you to know that I know you and I can't please everyone. I don't even know if I want to. But Jesus says, I always do what pleases him. Look at verse 29. The one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do what pleases him. Even as he spoke, many put their faith in him. What a challenge for you and I, to do what pleases the Father. Faith is the foundation for pleasing the Father. You can do a lot of things in the name of Jesus, but you've got to have faith in that name. It's ready for a baptism almost here. <clears throat> Look at, I, should, I think I put in Hebrews 11. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him 
must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Will you place your faith in the I am? The God who created, the God who was from the beginning, the God who sent his son, who was the, with the one with the Father, the one who says, I am, who says, if you don't believe in me, you will die in your sin. Who are you? Not Popeye, not Wimpy, not even olive oil, not Brutus or Sweet Pea, although some of you probably identify better than others. I, you, must be a believer in Jesus Christ. Now, there was where I was going to conclude the sermon, and I'm almost there. Some of you are saying, thank you, Lord. He's almost done. What did Popeye, I thought about this on the way to church today. What did Popeye eat for strength? Yeah, it doesn't work like that. I tried that as a kid, too. That canned spinach, it ain't doing it. And I put it on, like we go to Jason's Deli and, or one of these salad bars, I'll put it on there thinking I'm going to get like Popeye. All it does is stick in my teeth, and then you're talking to somebody, and you've got green in your teeth. But I think if you can put it in spiritual terms, spinach becomes the grace that we all need. It becomes that restorative food that binds us together with our faith in Jesus Christ. So if you'll stand with me now, I'll ask you, who are you? Are you a believer in the I am? I pray that you can answer yes. And in just a moment, we're gonna have a time of invitation. And if you'd like to come and say, I've never accepted Jesus, I want to follow him. That's what this time in this worship service is about. Perhaps you want to come and come up to these steps. We'll have members of our prayer team who would gladly pray with you. Maybe you're carrying a burden that not even Popeye could lift. But I tell you that through Jesus, his love, his forgiveness, his grace, and his mercy, you'll be able to find a way to go forward. Pray with me, please. Lord, as we come now to this invitation time, and the doors of the church are open, let your people respond to the love that you have given to us. It has been a crazy, crazy thought process that you could love us so much and we could be so unfaithful, so disrespectful, so uncaring to you and towards others, but you continue to love us. You are faithful to do that. And you're faithful enough to say to us, if you'll only believe in the I am, you will live forever in glory someday. Let your Holy Spirit move in our midst, and I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.